Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 103 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. Today, we are talking about uh, something that is familiar to probably nearly every adoptive parent, and that is the waiting period of bringing your child home or adding your child to your family through adoption. It is a hard time. And I think, you know, even for, for us, Melissa, it was, it was not terribly, terribly long. But right now, there are families due to COVID and restrictions on travel who have waited a long time to bring their kids home and may still be waiting. So this is a very timely topic for many of you. Yeah, we brought in Herbie Newell from Lifeline Children's Services. And Lifeline is a whole bunch of things, but they are an agency. They also have a lot of ministry offerings and services to adoptive families. But he was able to really just give us a big picture of specifically what the landscape is for international adoption, along with really practical tips for how families can use this time well. I was actually surprised. I thought, you know, what are things? Like there can't be that many. And he actually had a ton of really great ideas for families who are in the waiting place. Yes, and I liked the fact that he knew how to do some of the big things, like how to reach out to the State Department and things in positive ways. You know, he had a lot of good ideas and and I really... It uh, both reminded me that we do have things we can control, even when nothing feels like it's in our control, but also that we can use the time of waiting well. Herbie lives in Alabama with his wife and three kids. He is the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services. And under his leadership, Lifeline has achieved international accreditation under the Hague Treaty. They've begun an extensive foster care ministry and started Unadopted, which is a strategic orphan care ministry plan in more than 10 different countries. He also speaks nationally at different conferences and events and regularly preaches throughout the world on gospel-driven justice. So here's my conversation with Herbie. Well, Herbie, welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Melissa, thanks for having me. It's such a delight to be able to be here with you and your audience. So we're going to talk about something we don't talk a lot about here at the Adoption Connection because generally we are a post-adoption service and resource to families, but we do have folks in our audience and in our Facebook community who are in process and maybe they're both, maybe they're post-placement and maybe they're going for another child into another process. Um, It's something Lisa and I are pretty far removed from, both of all of our adoptions totaling, I guess, like eight kids between the two of us all happened, you know, between like 2007, 2012. So can you just, I guess, give us a starting point? What are like an update? What these days, what are the general starting points for adoption? Kind of what are the options? Yeah, I think for one, certainly the good news about international adoption, because I think so many people talk about the bad news of international adoption, and they want to talk about numbers decreasing, or there are not as many options to adopt. 
the good news is, and, and we've seen it firsthand as an organization, as a ministry, is that we are seeing a lot more domestic options for children. So you're seeing a lot more domestic adoption happening in countries of origin. Uh, you know, even in the last several months, we've been able to work in the country of Colombia to not only see adoption happen, but now to see foster care happen through local churches. So you're seeing trauma-informed individuals who've gone through TBRI training, uh, who have, have gotten some of the best care that are now coming in and fostering children and, and with an openness towards adoption. And so you really do see this openness uh, worldwide towards adoption. Now, the truth of the matter is still most of these countries are not equipped um, and really don't have the same heart that a lot of American families have for older and special needs children. And so really what we see is if a family has a heart and has a burden and has the capacity for an older child, I'd say over like four, four years old and older, uh, as well as a child with, with special needs, there's still very much the need for families for these children. Uh, these, these children are still waiting for families and need those families. Um, and, and, and we see, we see a lot of options. So I, I think the first place for a family to, to look is as we would to anything, do you have the capacity? Do you have the room and are you willing, uh, to, to, to go through the necessary steps to prepare yourself for the child that comes into your home. Yeah. What are some of those kind of markers? I know that that's a much really bigger question, but maybe in a couple sentences, right? Like what, um, when Lifeline's working with families, what are some questions that they're asking in terms of how do we tell if we're quote unquote ready, what does capacity look like? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we want to definitely evaluate how overwhelmed is that family in their current environment? Um, certainly there's some practical things, obviously like finances and, and room in the home, but we also wanna really start to, to vet out motivation. So uh, is there a guilt complex? And, and I know you guys talk a lot about, uh, even in the post-adoption, not feeling this guilt, but wanting to make sure family's motivation is not, I feel like I have to, or, you know, for our constituency, well, James 127 says to care for widows and orphans in their distress, and that's pure religion. Well, well, it doesn't just mean that you need to adopt. So have you teased out these other callings along the spectrum of caring for orphans and widows and, 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 and really trying to vet that out to that call? I think the next thing is, especially when we're talking talking about inter-country adoption, is there a place or a country uh, that you've already been invested in, that you already have a heart for? Uh, you know, one of the things we don't want to get into is crusaders that just want to rescue. You know, they saw pictures on a, on a, on a, on a movie screen, or they saw pictures on a video, and now they've just, oh, I want to go save them from their country. We want to tell folks God is sovereign, and he's at work all around the globe and in every place. Um, and, and what we're looking for is families that say they're specific children that have a need and we want to be a family to one of those children. So one of the things we go through is help the families really understand what are, what, 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 what do the children that are waiting, what's the characteristics that they have and who are they to prepare that family to say, how would it look like if you go to Columbia, pick it on Columbia and, and you're referred to children, you know? There's a lot of sibling groups that are in need in Colombia. What if you what if you ended up being matched with a ten year old with a four year old? What 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 would that feel like now? You need to we need to make sure those families have 
thought through the realistic aspects of those children that are waiting before they get a call that they're getting a referral. They need to think through those things before they ever fill out the application. Mm, those are such good things. Um, now we have some folks who kind of are in process and we're talking about inter-country adoption here. And of course, at the time of this recording, there's still a lot of travel restrictions, quarantine restrictions, even interstate travel, I think has really cut down, let alone international inter-country travel. So, you know, for folks who may be in process or, or at, even at the very beginning, they're waiting. They know they have a child in Colombia, in China, uh, Ethiopia, um, which actually I don't even know if some of those countries are still open. But where can folks get updates about quarantine restrictions? I'm assuming hopefully the agency they're working with is, is helping them to know. But are there other ways to kind of find out? Or if you're starting to look at an inter-country process, what's a good way to find out, you know, what are the chances that I'll be able to travel or work with a country given the COVID restrictions? Yeah, well, the good news first is a lot of Latin American countries and a lot of Eastern European countries are opening back up. Now, certainly they are requiring either the family take a COVID test before they leave and bring those results and then are immediately tested in country. Uh, Some are still requiring the families to quarantine for 14 days. Uh, We did see Taiwan has agreed to open up for a 14-day quarantine for some of those families to come and get their children. And then to through it all, even in China uh, and in India, some of the harder hit countries globally, we've still can seen uh, referrals given to families during this process. So, you know, what we thought was very bleak back in April and May, uh, kind of where will we ever see an end to this? And can families ever be able to go and, you know, bring home these children that technically and legally in most cases are already theirs? Uh, We're starting to see those open up. You know, really the countries that I would say are probably the furthest uh, from receiving families are going to be China and India, just because those have been so hard hit. Uh, we, we have estimations from both the State Department as well as inside of those countries that India could, and again, very much a could and an if, they could see some travel before the end of 2020. Uh, we're, we're preparing families that, that are waiting in China that it's going to at least be first quarter of 2021 before we see China open up. But again, good signs in China is they're still asking us for families and dossiers because they're saying they have children that they want to match and that need homes. So yes, the process has been elongated and it's hard. It's difficult waiting. Uh, you know, we, we always tell families to expect the unexpected, but nobody could have ever begun to expect we'd be under a global pandemic. So, you know, the good news is things are starting to open back up. Things really have never slowed down from a, from a, a referral process. And I would just tell families that, you know, any good agency, which I believe all agencies right now, if they're Hague accredited, the, the, the processes are so stringent that it really is. If, if, you're, if your agency is Hague accredited, they're probably a really good agency. They're going to have the information. The State Department has done a fantastic job. And I know a lot of times the State Department gets a black eye. They've done a fantastic job during this global pandemic hosting calls uh, that organizations are able to be a part of. They've hosted several calls for waiting families to give up-to-date information. And, and I would tell any family that's in the process, the State Department doesn't have all the answers, right? But what I am encouraged about is they're communicating, they're communicative, and they are updating us as countries are open. And then certainly your agency 
agency should know uh, if they're in regular contact with, with those countries to make sure that they know what those requirements are going to be. Yeah. So we kind of reached out to our community and asked kind of what they would want to know for folks who were in process. And some people asked, you know, do you have recommendations for how they as parents can advocate for their kids during the stall? And, and my guess is all governments are, are really, they're not unaware of this stall and they know that there are kids waiting. Um, so, so what would you say about advocacy? I mean, you know, we're talking big governments, international restrictions. Um, this isn't necessarily like a single case where you're going to call your senator, right, and get like approval to travel to China. But um, are there ways that families can be advocating for their kids during this week? 100%. And I think, I think the first thing starts with going ahead and checking with your employer and asking, hey, you knew we were going to be taking this, this trip to adopt. And it was going to be 14, 21, 10 days. Are you okay if I have to add another 14 to 28 days to that? And going ahead and getting their approval that we understand that you could be called away at any moment and you may have to quarantine there and you may have to quarantine on the way back. You know, the good news is most employers now are used to remote working and have had to deal with that because we've dealt with that here in the United States. But I think going ahead and getting that secured, because then you can go to your agency and say, I just want you to know I'm ready. The moment that I can travel, I'm ready. That's one of the first things you can do to advocate. Uh, you know, I think then what we're seeing with a lot of countries is they're starting to open up. Um, they're starting to be a lot more uh, willing for those families to come on and to travel. Uh, and so just to allow your agency to know we're ready and we're willing. One of the big things that is, is, is really a hiccup right now, more than even countries allowing families to come, is, is securing the airfare or securing the, the flights to get to those countries and travel. I think one of the things, if you wanted to call your senator, if you wanted to call your congressman, uh, is to ask for their help with the airlines to charter flights at good prices, um, to get some charter flights. We're working right now, and again, you're going to think all I do is Columbia, uh, but we're working right now with Delta and with American, and there's been some senators and some congressmen who've made those calls and said, hey, there are 30 families that would gladly jump on a flight, and there are others that would jump on these flights if you would enable these flights. And so I think those are the type of coordination things that are very important. And then I do think uh, writing a note to the Department of State to let them know how important it is um, that you're advocating for your child, uh, adoption at state.gov, they'll probably kill me, but they've asked for it, uh, you know, to write a letter and just tell your story and to let them know, uh, number one, as believers, we're praying for you. I mean, I think that's powerful. We're praying for you. We know your job is hard. Um, we're praying for our country of origin, but we want you to know that no matter the cost, we're, we're ready, willing, and able to go. Uh, I think that helps the State Department to even be able to go to tell a country like China, hey, we know there's 150 plus families with children that are waiting. We've, we, we've heard from these families and they're all willing to go through any additional steps in order to get, the, get their children. And so I think those are some ways that you can advocate. Um, make sure your agency knows you're ready. Make sure your employer is ready if, if you have to drop at a moment's notice. Make sure you're talking to your congressmen or senators about lobbying the airlines to make sure that they're ready in case uh, a trip like this is needed. And then I think, again, letting the State Department know that you are a family. Here's the child. Here's your child. Here's who you are. Here's where you're from and that you're ready to go if it were to open up. 
Yeah, that's such a good reminder, I think, to remember that there are a bunch of human beings that make up these big monstrosities that we think of as like the State Department and and they're probably exhausted and tired and you know, and advocating, especially in a kind, compassionate way, to just say, Hey, we're on your side, but also we want to remind you who you're working for probably is, you know, a real morale booster for those folks, which is going to make them, you know, have more energy to do the job that they're able to do. So that's, that's great. And I love about lobbying the airlines. I would have never thought of that. Well, I'll even tell you, we have been able to host two nights of worship and praise for waiting families that are stuck because of, of restriction, travel restrictions and not being able to go. And on the first one that we did, we actually invited uh, two folks from the State Department from the Office of Children's Issues to join and to just encourage families. Um, and, and one of the things that they just said is, thank you for letting us know. Like, thank you for letting us know who you are and who your child is, because that helps us uh, also uh, get past the bureaucracy, but realize that we're talking about real children. And, and, that, and I, don't, I don't want to throw the State Department under, like, what, they're not thinking they're real children? Yes, they're thinking they're real children, but there's so much bureaucracy that I think when you let them know, even sending a picture of your referral picture and saying, here's my little guy or here's my little girl that we're desperately waiting for. We thank you for what you're doing, but just know we're ready. I think that really puts a human effort to the advocacy that they are doing. And, and, and you know, I just say also be as kind as possible because this, this is, a, there are moving pieces uh, consistently both in those countries of origin as well as in the State Department. And, and being persistent, but being kind will actually go a long way in your advocacy. Yeah, good words, good words. Um, okay, so I remember our trip to Ethiopia, two-trip process, went and met our kids first trip, and then you know you come back and are able to travel and bring them home. That wait is excruciating once you've started that relationship and then you're waiting. I can't imagine a pandemic landing in that in-between time. So if families are waiting for kids, but especially older kids who may already know that they're going to be adopted. Maybe they've already met their family. Maybe there's already been some communication. Do you have any recommendations on kind of what and or how to communicate to older kids who may or may not understand why they're still waiting? Hey friends, we want to pause the interview to make sure you know about our free compassion challenge for the discouraged adoptive parent. This is an on-demand video training, so you can rebuild your compassion for your child and enjoy parenting again. In this free video training, we'll introduce you to blocked trust and blocked care. We'll help you understand why your child pushes you away, why you're not a bad parent because you're losing patience, and shed the feelings of shame and guilt. There is hope. You can regain compassion for yourself and your child. To grab this free training, head to theadoptionconnection.com compassion. Now let's hop back into our interview. Do you have any recommendations on kind of what and or how to communicate to older kids who may or may not understand why they're still waiting? Yeah. And that's a real thing that we're seeing. You know, I think one of the things is, again, go back to the agency you're using and ask if they have mechanisms to be able to send gifts or to send letters uh, to their children. Uh, and I think, 
I think just communicating in the best way that we're coming and, you know, especially older children, they have a cognitive understanding that things are not the same as they were before. They may not understand COVID-19. They may not understand the whole world's broken down because they do have a small tunnel vision, but they do know things are not the same. And, and I can tell you from firsthand evidence, you know, in orphanages and homes around the world, things are not the same. Um, you know, things are, things are different. Uh, things that, 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 you know, they're used to are not what they're used to. I think just saying, you know, we're ready as soon as we can, but there are big things going on in the world, but just know that we're thinking about you, we're praying for you and, and, and we're anxious to come and see you. Uh, I, I think making sure again with those agencies, please, is there a way, is there a mechanism to be able to get a note, um, to get something to my child? I think then the second thing is if they go, well, no, can you send something then to their orphanage? Um, can you send something uh, to those homes and let them know to let our child know that we're coming, that we're waiting um, and that, that, that we're anxious to get there. I, I know for us, you know, the harder and the most excruciating waits thus far have been our China program. And one of the things that has been sad, but has also provided an opportunity to communicate is that we have kids now they're having birthdays uh, because we've had families that were supposed to travel in January and February and couldn't because China was dealing with the coronavirus and now we're dealing with the coronavirus and they're not letting us in. So you've had so many families that have watched their children from afar have a birthday, but we've been able and, and honestly, you know, again, I'll give, I'll give credit to where credit is due. China has been willing to allow these families to throw birthday parties, you know, virtually for their children and both send pictures as well as receive pictures of, of their child being celebrated and, and letting them know, you know, hey, that family that you've seen pictures of, that family that uh, you have that scrapbook of, or that family that is supposed to be coming, they're sending this for you. Um, and and we've, we've had really good success on the, I think we're up to 85 families waiting right now in China, of most of them who've had birthdays being able to send uh, birthday cakes and and just send something to celebrate that child which you know has been has been a good thing and then you know I, it sounds trite and it sounds like a really christianese uh thing to say uh but i really believe god's word when he says that god is a father to the fatherless and um he is a protector of the lonely um, the protector of the widow and just pray that the lord would wrap around your child while they're lonely and you can't be there to know that the god of the universe the god of heaven uh, can wrap around your child in ways that you can't right now. And I know that that feels distant, and I know that that doesn't feel like you're really doing something. But I promise families, especially families that believe in the God of the universe and in Christ Jesus, he, he will send his Holy Spirit to wrap around your child and give peace where there seems to be no peace. Yeah, these are, these are those times that really try our faith, right? When we really say we believe in prayer, we believe in this power, we believe in his omniscience. Um, his omnipresence that um, it's hard, right? To when the rubber meets the road and we're in these situations and we just want to be there physically to trust that there, there are a lot of unseen hopes and promises that we can hang our hats on for our kids, especially during such a, such a weird, (laughs) such a weird time. Kind of on that piggybacking, are there any other words of wisdom that you would have for, um, laying the groundwork for attachment and bonding while, while being separated. Yeah. I, I would tell families and, and a lot of this is what we tell 
our adoptive families already is, um, you know, when you're moving to a new house, you don't wait to the last minute to start packing up your house or you're going to be in a world of trouble. Um, you know, scripture says the wise man plans his steps, you know, go ahead and review, right? Bonding and attachment techniques. Um, go ahead and read the connected child again, or, you know, the connected parent, go ahead and read these resources again. Um, and, and be preparing your home, be preparing your hearts, be preparing your, your maybe children that are already in your home, uh, together mentally as a, as a spouse, um, with your spouse, just getting ready for this journey that, that this child is going to come home and realize uh, that unfortunately uh, there, there, there may be some extra work that has to be done because especially with children that knew you were coming and it was delayed, it's going to feel like another loss to them. Not a major loss, but another loss. And so be prepared to say, how are we going to do that? And, and while it seems like such an inconvenience, See it as one of God's sovereign blessings to give you enough time to continue to prepare your home and your hearts and yourself uh, for these children coming. Uh, you know, dear friends of ours uh, who are waiting right now, they're in that waiting time and they could have traveled back in April and they're still waiting. Lord willing, uh, we believe they're going to be able to travel in September. This will be their first child they brought into their home, a little three-year-old boy from Columbia. And one of the things that we've been encouraging them to do is, well, first of all, spend as much time together as you have, because that's going to go, but also start grieving the loss of what you have now, right? Because you don't want to grieve that once your child comes, you want to go ahead and grieve that. So we've talked to them about go ahead and grieve the loss of, of what your family looks like right now, so that you're prepared and excited for what's, what's coming. You know, go ahead and, and start getting as much information as you can about the child and, and what their circumstances have looked like in COVID-19 so that you're, you're ready to respond to some of those things that they may have experienced as well. So again, I think there's a lot of things you can start to do in the analogy of your moving homes to start packing your stuff, to start getting everything ready, label the boxes so that you're ready for, uh, for it when, it, when it when go time happens. Yeah, and, and in the adoption community and world, we talk a lot about kind of this cocooning, kind of making your world really small, especially when your child first comes home. And um, I kind of poo-pooed it when we had older kids coming home, thinking like they had this cognitive part of understanding that we were their family. Um, but kind of in hindsight, wish we had, you know, done things a little bit more simple in those first couple months. And And so I think you're right, like thinking ahead and planning what that could look like um, you know, and I actually think we actually did a podcast on this. I think maybe 41 and 42, if you're, if you want to scroll back in the feed, um, even just silly things, like make sure you're like dentist appointments are up to date, you know, like make sure that there's nothing else that can really distract you in those first couple months, you know, get, get anything done that you can do ahead of time to just be able to clear your schedule, you know, is really great, great advice. I think another thing too, is to realize that your extended family is also waiting um, but they're going to have to wait longer when you bring your child home because of those cocooning. And so going ahead and having those conversations with grandparents, with aunts, with uncles, with friends that are like family and letting them know, hey, I know you're going to be excited for us, but we may actually have to cocoon a little bit longer just because, you know, of, of the situation we've been through. So, um, you know, plan, plan ahead, have those conversations, be ready. Um, you know, in a sense, 
international adoption has not been like this where you have your bag ready by the door knowing you could get the call at any moment because usually you kind of know ahead of time but I would say for families go and have your bag by the door ready to travel at any moment so go ahead and have everything prepared so that when you get the call you're ready yeah yeah so any last words of wisdom on this waiting game that families are doing besides kind of making space for attachment and bonding, um, prepping with your employer, all of those things. What else would you tell a family that's waiting? How do they make the best of this time? You've talked a lot about kind of the silver linings and a lot of things and the good news. So kind of what, what can families look forward to with this extra time that they've been given? Yeah, well, I think, you know, and that's one of the things our family, our nuclear family has even talked about is as much disappointment as there has been over the last five months, six months, you know, with sporting events canceled, our daughter's recital canceled, um, folks not being able to graduate in person or finish out their senior years or finish out whatever they were doing. There's also been this great gift of family. We've, we've had more family time than we would normally had. Uh, as our family, we've been very intentional to memorize scripture. Um, and, and we're able to recite it every night, you know, we're, because we're having dinner together every night. And that, although that's been a priority, life is busy in normal times. Life has been slower and it's given us those times to enjoy. Um, and, and I think for what I would encourage families is this is a time even as we said, pray, and and it's really testing your faith, Um, but to get ready in your relationship with the Lord, Um, because adoption, foster care, orphan care, caring for the vulnerable, it is spiritual warfare, Um, and Satan wants to attack you in it because you're shining light into some of the darkest places um, where there's been trauma, where there's been neglect, where there's been abuse. It's not, it's not natural. It's not, it's not a part of God's creation for a child to be separated from their biological mom, their biological dad. And so part of that, Satan wants to, wants to win the game and you're, you're, you're going to be stepping into spiritual warfare. And so when we talk about getting emotionally prepared, when we talk about getting mentally prepared, when we talk about getting physically prepared, when we talk about advocacy, don't miss getting spiritually prepared as well. Seeking the Lord while he can be found. I think about Romans eight and we like to quote that as, you know, we, we match Romans eight with our own adoption and, you know, Oh, we're adopted as sons. But you know, in Romans eight, it actually says, that God waited for our adoption. So God waited and was patient and patiently waited for at the right time to send his son to bring us in uh, as as sons and daughters of the most high. Um, Preparing, prepare yourself spiritually uh, during this wait. Be ready spiritually so that you are physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually prepared for this journey. Uh, Because once you get to go and once you go, as we all know, this is not a, this is not the victory. Like you're not through. This is just the beginning. So once you're able to travel and go bring your child home, it's the beginning of your journey, not the culmination of your journey. And spiritually, uh, you need to, you need to be prepared for that. It is tempting to think that this long process, all the paperwork, the home study, now this incredible weight um, that, all you want to do, you know, the Holy grail becomes like travel date, you know, getting your child home. Um, but you're absolutely right. We're a decade into this and, um, I wish I had appreciated kind of the ease of what waiting was, you know, now that we're, now that we're into the actual ultra marathon of, you know, being a family to these kids. So 
those wise, wise words that, you know, the, the journey, the traveling, all of that really is kind of the beginning, not necessarily the end. So, well, Harvey, thank you so much for your wisdom, for your time, um, for just speaking encouragement to our families who are in process. We really appreciate you taking this time. Um, and just for all the services that Lifeline offers um, and, and just for your, your guys' heart uh, um, corporately for families, um, for kids, for orphans. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I would just extend to any families that do need help. It doesn't matter if Lifeline is your agency or you've used us. We'd love to help you during this wait or equip you in any way we can. I appreciated this conversation with Herbie. He had so many good ideas and so much compassion for parents who are waiting. And Melissa, you referenced a couple of episodes that we've done. So if you're in that waiting period and you're looking for practical things to do to continue preparing, we have a couple of episodes, um, one on preparing mentally for adopting and one on preparing in practical ways. And those are episodes number 41 and 42. We will have those in the show notes. Also, we invite you to join our Facebook group, which has lots of adoptive and foster parents, people sharing information and supporting each other. You can find information about that at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Yeah. And so Herbie was really generous at the end of the interview to offer Lifeline as an additional support specifically to waiting parents. And so you can reach out to Lifeline at lifelinechild.org. Of course, we'll have all the links to episodes 41 and 42, to Lifeline, to our Facebook group, all in one place at the show notes for this episode. And you can find those at theadoptionconnection.com slash 103. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.